and welcome to the Women Crush Wednesdays podcast from New York Women in Film and Television. We bring you entertaining and informative discussions with women working in entertainment and media, highlight current accomplishments of our members, and preview upcoming NYWIF events. I am Giovanna Aguilar, and I'm joined by Kodrick. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Hi, Janine. Hi, happy to be with you and to be with our listeners today. Very excited for another episode on this spring, April day. To start today's episode, Kelsey Marsh is going to be telling us why Dr. Clara Denise West is crushing it this week. The NYWIFT member who is crushing it this week is Dr. Clara Denise West. Dr. West is the creator of Coco and Friends, an animated series designed to address the social challenges of young children, bullying, peer pressure, building self-esteem, and teaching positive value-based decision-making. Coco and Friends is all about learning to have a good moral compass, operate with compassion and fairness, and lead with empathy. Presently, Dr. West has two of the newest animated shorts in the film festival circuit and has been accepted into eight festivals to date. Furthermore, Dr. West expanded the Coco and Friends universe to a chapter book from middle grade readers called The Long Shots. The book is available on Amazon. Check out cocoandfriends.com to stay up to date on the brand. Dr. West, your NYWIFT community congratulates you on your many recent successes. Thanks, Kelsey, and congratulations, Denise. More congratulations to wonderful women in the industry will be given in a few weeks when Variety's 2022 Power of Women New York event comes to town. Taking place at the Glass House on May 5th, the event gathers an intimate group of philanthropic women who have been selected as Variety's honorees, as well as the most powerful women working in media and entertainment. Are you going to be there? Oh, yes, absolutely. I am so excited for everything that's coming back to New York. You know, it's funny. I was in New York City the other day and someone made a comment like, oh, you you know, a year ago with COVID, they said New York would never come back and look where it's at now. And it's exciting to see. This year, there are six great honorees, including actress, TV personality and businesswoman Drew Barrymore. Singer, songwriter Camilia Cabello, actress Kim Cattrall, singer, actress, and producer Queen Latifah. And actress Amanda Seyfried and tennis champion and entrepreneur Vina Williams. And all these six honorees will be featured on the cover of Variety's Power of Women issue, which I believe comes out at uh, the beginning of May, around like May 4th. That's so exciting. What powerful women. I love Kim Cattrall. Oh, this is so exciting. Uh, So the issue will include the annual Women's Impact Report, which highlights the top 50 women working in media and entertainment who made an impact this year on the industry. Congratulations to everyone who is being honored. And moving along to another talented woman who is making an impact in the industry, Giovanna brings us an interview with writer-director Gigi Gaston, And why don't you tell us all about Gigi and her latest film, Nine Bullets? 
She is a native of Greenwich, Connecticut, and a lifelong storyteller. She's an Olympian turned writer, director who has optioned many screenplays to New Line, Universal, and Fox. She's directed music videos, features, and an award-winning Sundance documentary and managed musicians on labels, including Sony, RCA, Warner Brothers, Wind Up, and Ryko. There's so many credits uh, and uh, that she has. She's an incredible filmmaker, and she joins us today to share her latest film, Nine Bullets, about Gypsy, a burlesque dancer who must go on the run to save a neighbor boy whose life is threatened by her ex-lover. Nine Bullets is released this April 22nd at limited theaters around the country, and then it will be released, I believe, streaming. It features a talented cast with the lead role Gypsy played by Lena Headey. It includes fantastic performances by Barbara Hershey, Sam Worthington, Lala Anthony, and a young upcoming actor, Dean Scott Vasquez. Thank you for tuning in to this inspirational conversation with Gigi Gaston. First of all, Gigi, it's very nice to meet you. I just watched your film and I am so thrilled for many, so many reasons. I'm a big fan of action and thriller. And you basically took all of these stereotypes and you really turned them around and gave us some real kick-ass women um, with, with, um, especially, of course, with Gypsy, this character. So I wanted to start with that. Congratulations. And thank you for uh, giving us some time at New York Women in Film and Television for our podcast. Well, I appreciate you. And, you know, you as a fellow filmmaker knows that we're nothing without the actor. Absolutely. So why don't we, let, let's go into a little bit. I was reading a little bit about how you started. You, you are actually an equestrian. If you could talk a little bit about that journey and coming into filmmaking. Well, I've, I've actually, I credit it so much to being able to be a filmmaker because, you know, there's so many similarities. Like you fall a hundred times and you have to get up. It's the same as so many, as you getting so many no's, you know what I mean? Like, are you a writer too? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, so, yes, you sir. know, as um, a writer and director, you know, the, the bridge is paved with no's to that yes, you know? And so I have had so many no's and all those times I fell off all those horses, all those times I missed winning by, by one one thousandth of a second, you know, all those times the horses fell on me or the jump blew over, which blows the whole thing for you from the wind or a baggie flies across the, the, the field and your horse jumps and spooks and then it fucks up the striding. All of that teaches you to persist and not give up. And you always keep your mind on the goal, which is getting to that jump and getting those jumps faster than anyone else. And of course, in filmmaking, we don't have to do it faster, but we do have a budget and we do have time limit and and days and days out of days we have to make and we had a very tough schedule on this which was um like 210 shots in 19 days so we were doing like 11 to 13 pages and it was killer and um you know without lena and the great cast that i had i would never have made those days my dp was amazing we just focused and never looked right or left you know, we just had to keep going. So I, I owe service to that because I am someone that doesn't quit. You know, I, I learned persistence and all I can say to every filmmaker out there, don't let that no destroy you because a thousand of those no's will build a bridge to a yes. 
And someday you'll be walking over those no's to your yes. And um, so that's how, how the horse has taught me, you know. That's, that's amazing. And I love that analogy. And especially because so many, so many of us sometimes have those days like, oh, that's it. I'm done. I don't want to do this. Whether it's you can't get money for a film or, you know, you don't have budget, but you're right. You know, taking those notes and turning them into a bridge. Uh, so w- with that in mind, the, how this idea of um, this burlesque dancer, how did she, how did she speak to you? How did you conceive this, uh, this script? as you wrote it and directed the film? Well, when I was a little girl, my mom had a lot of eclectic people over at her house for parties. And one of them was Gypsy Rose Lee. She was like America's first burlesque dancer in like the 30s and 40s and 50s. They did a a movie called Gypsy that Natalie Wood, I think, was nominated for an Oscar. It's an amazing musical. Actually, it was an amazing musical on Broadway. And um, so she always said to me, see all those men, those men, all they do is see this. And what's so important, Gigi, is this. This is so important on a girl. Don't forget that. And I was eight. And it was so like striking how intense she was about it at this party suddenly when, and all these men, you know, like we're going like this, (laughs) like this. And she was like talking about this to an eight-year-old. In fact, I have a picture I found. There I am. sitting on her lap and that's imaging coca which is way before both our times but she was a great comic but that's me and that's gypsy rosalie oh my god it's a beautiful picture so i took that idea and then i thought wow you know i had to build a backstory in and the backstory i think her backstory is a pretty damn good backstory you know like she'd gotten to this amazing college on you know scholarship lost it through what happened to her. That actually happened to a friend of mine, you know, and the father was like, you're nothing. Who's so stupid to allow that to happen? You know, or you lose this and that. I so wanted to shoot that scene, but then I thought, you know, I don't really need that scene. You know, as a filmmaker, you're always going back and forth. Do I need it? Do I not need it? Do I need it? You know, she has to go and work. She's first a bartender. Then she goes into stripping or burlesque dancing, which makes more money. And now she has her second chance, right? A book. She got a book deal. And so she thinks that is her second chance at life. And so what I love about this movie is that it's, you never know where your second chance is coming from. You think it's a book deal, but it's really the love of this little brat that she wants nothing to do with. She wants, do you think she wants to save that kid? She wants to get out, you know, but she makes the right decision. She makes the right choice, which is so important for all of us in life as filmmakers or real people in life. You know what I mean? Like, Every day we have choices. She makes the right choice. And lo and behold, the second chance is her love of this kid, which heals a deep pain inside of her, which, you know, because you saw the movie. And so it was the last thing, of course, she expected. So we have to be open as people for that second chance, no matter how old we are, no matter if we're at our wit's end, like we're never going to get this movie made. I was there several times. You know, you just have to go... God, please help or whatever the higher power is, you know, whatever you pray to your dog, you know, the universe and, and just trust that your higher power will keep, it will bring something to you and don't quit. You know, that is my biggest message also on this movie is the the line in the movie that Barbara Hershey says to Lena, and I didn't want to frame it big, but if you go back and relook at it, you'll see when she says to her, be strong, don't quit. 
That's like a mother saying that to a child. Well, that's, those are the last words my mother said to me when she died in my arms in 2017, because I was going to quit. Oh, isn't that deep? That is so deep, so poetic. And what a takeaway that's, you know, now you have on a film, very powerful. And with the lines that you have as a writer, you know, you pay attention to these things and you have a lot of really good lines in there. And what I love the relationship with the, with the little boy, um, and what he's sort of like foreshadowing almost. I think that one of the lines is like, oh, what his mother had said to him, you better let someone love you before it's too late. Before it's too late, yeah. Before it's too late. And, then- and boy, didn't it play on Lena so well? Lena Headey is such an amazing actress. She can play moments without words. And I have to say, because we all, we agreed to go in this as a collaboration. You know what I mean? Like if I didn't like something and felt strongly about it or she didn't, we would tell each other and we would work through it. Like, let's just say I wanted a take to be one way and she wanted another. We'd each give each other the take. It only happened, I think, once. And we did decide in the edit room. We said to her, trust me and I trust you. And we will focus and make the greatest movie we can on what we have. And, and I have to say a couple of times she would say, I don't want to say anything there. And I go, you're right. You're absolutely right. Get rid of that fucking line that I thought was my favorite line. (laughs) Get rid of it. (laughs) But thank God, because Lena and all the actors, you know, the movie rides on her and the kid, but Lena really gave it her all. She was there earlier than anyone, was always ready. Like she said, I want to do an indie. I need to be down in the trenches again. You know, she needed it for her soul. You know, I want the rawness. And I think... Her rawness comes out. I'm very sentimental, American, and she's a very British, you know? And I think we had a good combination in that, in the movie. And she brought that to the character, her Britishness, that was perfect for the right. character. Right. You right. know, and, and the kid. I mean, oh, please. I, I looked, took one look at him and fell in love. So the casting process, getting... Lena, how did that come about? And then you finding Dean Scott Vasquez, the boy. Wonderful yeah, well, that casting. Was, oh, well, that's Mary Bernou, you know, who did I, Tanya and Lady Gaga movie. Yeah, A Star is Born. Um, yeah, she did that. Um, Mary is the one who, who turned me on to Lena and said, you really need to look at her. I'd never watched GOT. Then I started watching GOT and other things. And I was like, wow. And Lena liked the script. Thank you higher power. And uh, we met and, you know, we made this movie together and the the kid is great story. So we, you know, Mary like pre-interviews all the kids and reads them, blah, blah, blah. And then I get like to watch 20 or 30 or 40. Then they keep lowering and lowering it. And then we have the last five, right. That we take and do a chemistry reading with Lena. And one of the producers wanted this other kid was swearing about the kid. I wanted Dean from the moment I saw him and I had to fight against it. I had to go, Gigi, be open. There are a hundred kids or whatever. Don't, don't focus on this kid. This is going to be a fuck up on your part. Be open. I kept talking to myself. Right. And then Lena um, did the reading and we're sitting there and I'm like, okay, like, okay, Lena, uh, do you know who you want? Yep. Do you know who you want? Gigi? Yep. I go, okay, let's text the names. She texts me the name and I go, oh my God. And she gets my name and she's, ah. It was so great. It was chemistry. Yes. And he, he didn't have the experience, you know, he had a tiny role and some movie, I can't remember. That was a big Broadway play. He didn't have the experience, but he was it. He was the essence 
I had written about my son. And so it was just, he was just the perfect kid and he was so wonderful. And, you know, his story is the good part of America. You know, there's a lot of bad parts of America and his story is he's Puerto Rican and now he's sending money home to his other friends there. How cool is that? He lives here. He got five Terminators after this and he sends money home. Like what kid does that? Like, I mean, I just love this kid. And he calls me up all the time. I have another, I have another son, you know, yo, gee, what's up? You know, he's teaching me all these modern (laughs) things. It was Mary Renew and Brett Howe, you know, her right hand. They, they were so amazing. And Sam Worthington was incredible, you know, out of his normal role of movie star. All, the whole cast, everyone. For her, she was amazing. Lala Anthony, well, have you ever seen Lala Anthony like that? I mean, Lala Anthony was incredible. I, that's what I'm saying. It's like when I saw the film, because I'm a big action fan. I love action thriller and all of that big type of films like this. What I love that you did with these characters is that you took these women, including Barbara Hershey, damn, they could they could hold a gun and shoot and aim and hit their freaking target, unlike other movies where, oh my God, what did I do? What did I do? That was amazing. Right, right. right? They were all ba- and, badasses. I loved it. <laughs> and you know, Barbara is, uh, this was the first time she told me she ever shot a gun ever in her career. You know, she's been nominated for Oscar. She's done everything and she'd never shot a gun. And that was a really heavy rifle, I have to tell you. But she was amazing. Let me ask you something a little bit since we are um, almost hopefully coming out of COVID. Is it true that the film was shot during COVID or around that time? Yes, when it first started. Oh, my God. Oh, it was can, so- you talk a- yeah, can you talk a little bit about what that it was, was like? It was so scary. And I think, you know, also in that time, it added so much to the budget. So I had to keep cutting different action things down, you know, the COVID testing. And, you know, it was when they were saying one minute, don't wear a mask, next minute, wear a mask, don't wear it on, off, on, off. Oh, my God, everyone's dying. Oh, my God. I think this saved my life because all I did was focus. And Lena was not afraid at all. Sam Worthington wasn't afraid at all. I don't think anyone was afraid. To be honest, it was all focused on the movie. And it was a scary time because you'd get in your car and you'd drive home and you'd listen to all the terrible things of the hospitals overflowing. All I can say is creativity gets you through anything. I'd lost my mother in 2017, so I had no more family left, you know, and it was just, it was, I mean, I have tons of friends. It was really scary, but we just focused. It was never on the set. And the focus of creating carried everyone through. I mean, I talked about myself. I didn't have any fear because I was creating and I was focused on something higher than me and on second chances, which I kept thinking, man, we need second chances now. Everyone's fucking dying, right? Wow. So, right. Very poetic. Can you talk a little bit about where would you like to see this, this wonderful film? Well, I would love for it to make money for all the people that put money in and all the companies like screen media that have believed in it. And I think that for us, you and I as females to get to keep making these movies, great. You can make the Batmans and you can make the Wonder Womans and all that stuff, but it's these movies that really need the support of an audience and the support of people. And I'm just praying that, you know, if someone sees it and it moves them and it hope and it touches their heart, they'll tell another person. I'm I'm just praying that that's what happens. Like, like Diane Warren, do you know who she is? She is the most Warren. She has been nominated for 13 or 14 Oscars as songwriter. 
Okay. End title song. Best song. She wrote a song from my movie. I don't have the budgets of those big movies because it touched her. Oh. So, you know, I keep thinking, wouldn't that be cool if she won her Oscar finally after 14 times with my little teeny weeny movie, right? You know, that all of us just put our heart and soul in. I mean, it'd be cool, right? And so there's just been so many gifts. I just hope that people will see it and come away with like, oh God, I can do that. I I have a second chance. I'm not going to give up. That director didn't give up. Be strong, don't quit. And I pass it on to you as a writer director. Oh my God. I think we all need that. We need to, especially women in film, it's wonderful to have these conversations and these interviews and really support our, our work. So congratulations on what you're doing here. Also, um, I see that in your credits, you do a lot of, there's a lot of music in your background as well. Can you talk a little bit about that in reference to um, some of the work that you've done? Uh, You have something with uh, Olivia Newton-John? Yeah, well, I mean, I was in a relationship with Sophie B. Hawkins, you know, the singer-songwriter for 17 years. And um, so I got very influenced by music and I directed a lot of her um, music videos and I did a documentary on her that went all over the world that was incredible called The Cream Will Rise, which got awards all over. And it was about sexual abuse um, way before its time, by the way. I think it was 1999 or eight. Like Sophie's an amazing human being that has overcome and taken her demons and created a great music career. So then from that, you know, I got to direct Olivia and John. And the funny part is with Olivia, if you want an aside story, is um, I had taught Olivia how to ride horses. Like she'd already ridden horses, but I was brought in to teach her. I met her at a party. She heard that I was, you know, on the Olympic team, all this stuff. So I'm teaching her how to ride, yada, yada. And we're friends. And then later on, I get hired to do her music video. And so she, I show up and she goes, oh, are horses in this? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 I'm your director. <laughs> and she was like, small world. oh, this, it was great. And, and, you know, she approved me, you know, to be the director after watching the documentary of Sophie's, which was very musical. It's a, you should really check it out. It's very moving, the, the documentary on Sophie. Sundance bought it on the Sundance channel. Anyway, um, and so I got to direct Olivia and, Olivia was just amazing to work with. I mean, she's an amazing human being, you know, and so talented and so professional. So it all came from my relationship with Sophie, all the musical stuff. I mean, I think I've always been a little musical myself, you know, and inclined to it. Like, you know, you listen to songs to heal you. You see movies that give you a spirit to go and win or go and try again. Right. And so it's all interconnected. It truly is. I learned so much on this movie um, and I'm just so grateful to have had that opportunity. Yeah, you have to have the opportunity, but more importantly, you can't quit. You have to keep going. Persistence, not giving up, not quitting is so important for all of us, whether you're a guy or a girl. Someone asked me um, on one of the interviews, hey, what? how do you, how much harder is it you being a woman? And I said, honestly, I'm going to say this to you. I don't think of myself as a woman when I'm directing. I don't go, oh, I'm a woman. This is so much harder. I don't even think of myself as any gender when I'm directing. 
It's so funny you yeah. say that because that that's um that's that's a very common question that I hear and it drives me nuts because you just you're an artist, you're a filmmaker, you're thinking in terms of what is happening and the story, not how unless you're writing from a perspective of a character that's a woman. So I'm, I'm so happy you said you said that, but it it could be a little annoying when you get that question probably, right? Yeah. And you know the only thing, well it's not annoying, I think I think maybe people don't understand that when you're working, it's all about the work, right? It doesn't matter if you're a girl or a guy or if you're 20 or 97. It, all that matters is, is about the work and what's in front of you. Now, to be honest, the only time I realized I was a woman and a gay woman, okay, because that was the other question too about being a gay woman, is when uh, somebody told me and said it to my manager, you are a 57-year-old has-been lesbian. You should be on your knees to me. And I that was what, the first time oh my God. I even realized that I was a female lesbian. <laughs> I have to say, I went, huh? I mean, I was so shocked. And it was so inappropriate. But, you know, other than that, I never realized it. I know it's a shock. It's really shocking. I, I'm in shock that someone would but say they so. have to live with that the rest of their life. You know, I'm never going to say who it was. But here you are. So we're celebrating a wonderful film that's really exciting. It's defying stereotypes. Yeah. There's a very strong message that is beautiful because it's about love and being open to being loved. This relationship with a little boy after big loss and then coming with this wonderful character, Gypsy, who is so layered and a badass. So I think, she is. you know, so congratulations for writing characters that, that women actors want. Right. But now we're seeing women like yourself that are in the directing seat that are writing. And it's to me very inspirational because I know that then these multifaceted characters are being, you know, uh, captured by the camera, by yourself. So with, with that in mind, when is this being released? When is uh, April 22nd? It's in theaters. You know, it's not, it's in a limited release, you know, like not, you know, Batman's of the world, you know, it's in like in California, it's in the Lemley theater chain, and then it's going to go on demand as well. So after that, so that's April 22nd. Yay. After well, that's Easter. coming up yeah. after Easter. Well, I know that New York Women in Film and Television's behind it. We will be promoting it through our podcast and I'll make sure that all of our colleagues um, do as well. Thank you for your time. I really enjoyed your film. I am so inspired now to be a badass. <laughs> and, uh, you are a badass. You're wait. a director. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And uh, any last thoughts that you'd like to share? I just say, you know, be grateful and don't quit. And when you get your opportunity, be grateful even more and be prepared for everything to happen and just take a breath and stand up and keep going. <laughs> That's it. Well, Gigi, thank you so much for being in New York Women in Film and Television's podcast. And we will welcome you anytime you want. Just give us a shout. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for the time. What a film. What a, what a wonderful director, a generous filmmaker, empowering an empowered woman. She is just great. And I loved when she said a really touching story about her last words from her mother and how she used that to really empower herself, to push forward, 
to make her dream of this film possible and then used that as a line of dialogue in the film coming full circle was so touching. Wasn't it? It really resonated. And that's what she shared in, you know, um, and it's, you know, I, I mean, you being a filmmaker too, when you sit down and you start thinking about the stories that you really like to work on, I think they always come, they're rooted in truth in something that happened to you. And mm -hmm. for her to share something so vulnerable, giving us that is such a gift, such a gift also in, in as an audience member watching a film, but also as a filmmaker or a writer saying, oh, wow, you know, sometimes your choices are revealing and sometimes you just don't want to, maybe you're very protective of the personal space that and the things that you have. But the fact that she chose to write in something that her mother said, her the last words that she said as she passed away was was very moving and almost giving us permission. It's like, hey, it's okay. Share those deep moments with with your craft, with the people, right. you know, in your script. So I really appreciated that. So she did a really, really wonderful job with it, especially under those really tough circumstances of filming. So thanks so much for bringing that interview to us. Besides Nine Bullets, which you loved, what else have you been watching or listening to lately that is worthy of recommending? Okay, so three things that I would I'm thinking three of. Things. Three things. Walking Dead, I'm a big fan. I don't know if you saw the last episode before this. The, I have not. Okay, the next part that comes, I think, in July. I think they're, it's either in July or sometime around there. Well, it's amazing because it really is about redemption. And you have these two characters, Negan and Maggie, who are arch enemies now coming together. I'm excited to see how how it's going to conclude, but the fact that you know that they're going to be characters that are living on to other spinoffs. One of them is Maggie and Negan coming together in Isle of the Dead, which is going to be shot in New York City, in Manhattan. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. And then two other ones that I highly recommend, Anthony, The Anatomy of a Scandal with Rupert Friend, who I'm a big fan of. He was on Showtime's Homeland. I loved his character in Homeland. He was this quirky, he does a 180. He's this aristocracy type of character in this film. On It's actually a series, series, I think, of six episodes on Netflix. And it just came out last week and it was amazing. You know, it really is about this member of parliament who's accused of rape. And there are these flashbacks without revealing too much of him growing up, going to the best schools and meeting his mm -hmm. Um, girlfriend now wife in the series played by Sienna Miller and the reveal at the end which was these twists of like these things that happened while the boys were being boys back at the elite schools in you know in, in England so I highly recommend that and then of course I think the first episode and I do think this one is on HBO Julia which is a series of biographical on Julia which is starring Sarah Lancashire Lancashire. Apologies for mispronouncing the name. <laughs> and that's with B.B. Newworth and David Hyde Pierce and oh, an incredible them. cast. And Sarah is Julia Child. I mean, and the, the first episode, which is free right now, it's, it's screen, uh, streaming free, is so like for me, it's a, it's a special note because I love to cook. And I grew up in the 70s and 80s when you'd come home, you know, as a, as a teenager, I'd watch Julia making food. And that's sort of like what inspired me to learn 
And so this episode was really great. It really encapsulates her personality and the actress portrays her almost similarly to the way Meryl Streep comes into her characters. Hmm. You lose Meryl Streep and you're just in that, in that person. So it was brilliant. I highly recommend those two as of this week. And I don't know, I would love to, should, maybe she would ask our, like our listeners what they recommend. You guys need to, uh, to uh, give us some comments on our feed and let us yeah, know. Yeah, we we do. We always you know want to hear what other people um, are are watching and recommend, and they can email us at communications at nightwith.com. Um, we could read their recommendations, or if they want to send a little audio file talking about what they've been watching or listening to, we'd be happy to feature that as well. Yeah. But, so how about you? Which ones have you watched? What, what do you recommend, Janine? Well, right now, I just finished re-watching five seasons of Better Call Saul on Netflix to prepare for the sixth and final season, which started airing this week. So I was a huge Breaking bad fan. Um, I loved it. Vince Gilligan can do no wrong. He is amazing. And the team that he put together for that and for Better Call Saul, which is the prequel to Breaking Bad, is just some of the highest quality television out there. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Better Call Saul is all about Saul Goodman and how he became Saul Goodman. So Bob Odenkirk stars as Jimmy McGill, who's a lawyer who kind of transforms into a more shady lawyer who works for a lot of cartel and illegal type people. The whole series is just a masterclass on character development. Hmm. I mean, it is just intelligent, it's methodical, it's entertaining. Sometimes it's a slow burn, but an intense, watchable slow burn. And if you want to know how to take a character from point A and bring that character to point Z, this is the show for you. It's just amazing. And Rhea Seahorn, who plays Jimmy's partner and lawyer as well, is phenomenal. And why she is not getting an Emmy every year for her performance just confounds me. How do you feel about that? I, that's something we don't talk too much about, but I feel like when when we lose or these you know these shows that we've watched for so many years come mm-hmm. to an end, it's almost like losing a friend or a relationship. And there, yeah. I mean, I get very, I get depressed for the fact like, oh, I miss them because you're you have like these dependable characters that you know their backstory and you're mm-hmm. like there, you know, uh, entertained by them and they're almost like part of you. So it's it's uh it's sad, right? <laughs> yeah, I, it definitely can be. Like Game of Thrones, I'm still not over how that ended. <laughs> I know. You know, I have a confession. I have a confession to make. I did not see Game of Thrones until sometime last year when I'm like, okay, what is the hype all about? Because I had tried it many years ago and I saw one episode and it was a little too violent for me. But then I got hooked. Maybe mm-hmm. the first time I wasn't like my, you know, I was not intently looking at it but then I I saw it back to back in a period of like two or three weeks and wow yeah I think that that last season was the reverse of what I was saying about Better Call Saul where this is not how you do character development it just happened too quickly too much it was just so so sad they did what they did to the characters and in a way that just didn't make sense 
doesn't have to end on a happy note. It just has to end, have it make sense to the character and the story. Absolutely. And that was a tangent that, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll cut off for now. And, and we, I could do a whole podcast about that, but I, we will uh-huh. not. <laughs> Okay, well, listeners, hope you enjoyed today's episode. We thank you for joining us. Please be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, FM, or wherever you get our podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, please give us a good rating and leave a review. It helps more listeners find their way to us. And if you want to nominate yourself or a fellow NineWift member for one of our spotlight segments, or you want to share a funny story or an important career lesson learned, hit us up at communications at NineWift.org. That's N-Y-W-I-F-T.org. And again, as we mentioned, send us in your recommendations, any projects you're working on that you want us to spotlight and highlight. We are here for you. Thank you, Giovanna, for being here. For everyone else, until we meet again, keep on crushing it.